Hello, this is Thomas Cruz of SAE and Associates, and thanks for listening in for today's SAE Cares podcast. We'll be tackling program evaluations, so I'm happy to be joined by one of our key program evaluation experts, Dr. Rhonda Bose. Rhonda, why don't you start by telling the listeners a bit about yourself? How did you get involved in program evaluation and behavioral health research? Well, it's great to be here today, and and thank you so much for providing me the opportunity to talk about one of my passions, program evaluation and behavioral health research. Uh, I've been in this field for close to 30 years now, and I received my doctorate in applied experimental psychology from St. Louis University in the early 90s. And I was very interested in studying, uh, applying social psychological principles to behavior change. And I reasoned that the most difficult behaviors to change are those we often find in behavioral health and substance abuse, in mental health and substance abuse. So I started applying my my academic skills within the behavioral health arena. And so from that, I was a program director and and implemented one of the first residential women and children's uh, substance abuse programs in the country. I have been involved in numerous clinical trials and program evaluations, both on a single site and multi-site scale uh, that were funded from SAMHSA to the Department of Education to the uh, uh, Children's Bureau of the Administration of Children and Families. And so I have a lot of experience in looking at different kinds of programs, different types of populations. I've also served as an administrator and an executive uh, within uh, very large behavioral health treatment centers that were also integrating and eventually became a federally qualified health center. So I I come at this not only from an academic background of how to do program evaluation research, but also from having 25 years of experience in the field actually doing the work and delivering services and uh, understanding about how nonprofit community-based organizations operate in terms of their fiscal constraints and and all of that. So I I bring a very interesting background to, to program evaluation. Awesome. Thanks, Rhonda. So to the listeners, by now you may have heard our podcast on SAMHSA grants with tips on strengthening your application before submission. And if you haven't, you can find it on the podcast page of our website, saeandassociates.com. A pretty reliable perspective in that one, as it features Stan Kuznets, who developed a lot of the material SAMHSA currently uses to review applications. So check it out when you get the chance. For today's podcast, we'll be focused on what happens after you get the grant. So as a provider agency, you go through the grueling application process and spend time and effort developing a thoughtful proposed approach. And, you know, months down the line, you hear back from the funder that you got the grant. Congrats. Okay, but now what? What are the next steps for the awardee? How do you make sure that you will continue to receive funding for implementation? So Rhonda will be giving some key guiding tips on how to make sure the provider agency meets the expectations of the grant. So to get the conversation started, all federal grants require a program evaluation as part of the grant. Rhonda, what's your approach to the evaluation process? Based on your experience, what's the makeup of an effective evaluation approach? 
Well, many organizations, if they have not had uh, grants in the past, tend to focus most of their energy in the program implementation, which is great. You're implementing a new evidence-based practice. You're, you're building capacity. You know, it's a great thing. And, and that is a large part of the grant. But if you are not able to demonstrate that your approach has been effective in meeting the goals that you set out to do, then you can't really demonstrate its usefulness. And whenever you're receiving federal dollars, they require, as most funders do now everywhere, that there is some demonstration that you, you know, an objective, usually quantitative demonstration that you met your goals from everything from the number of people that you enrolled in the project all the way through the number of times you were able to reassess those people. And it's that data that then, in, in our case, we're talking about SAMHSA. SAMHSA rolls up that data, and that data goes to Congress. So it's not only just about your program. It's also about feeding up behavioral health information that gets looked at and analyzed and incorporated into our federal uh, health and human services that, that are paid for through, through the federal government so that they can see things like opiates increasing. So, so to that end, organizations really need to approach the evaluation process with the same amount of motivation and enthusiasm as they do with implementation of their project. So what does that mean? In my case, I, I recommend to folks that they treat it as a separate part of the project, meaning that there is at least one, possibly two dedicated people that are responsible for data collection. These are going to be the ones that will have a relationship with these consumers as they're going through the treatment program that will continue regardless of whether or not the consumer stays in the program. If they drop out for whatever reason, data can still be completed because there's this other relationship and the, and the consumer doesn't feel like they're having to go back and tell people that they don't like why they don't like them, so to speak, right? So, so by having a separate approach and a dedicated staff that can really focus on engaging people into the evaluation process and reaffirming to consumers that by participating in the evaluation process, it is their opportunity to give feedback to the operations and the quality of the services that they are receiving. And that's a rare opportunity for consumers to do. So once engaging them into the evaluation, then tracking them over time, making regular, usually I recommend monthly contact with each of the consumers that are involved in the evaluation to keep them engaged. You know, I will recommend sending out birthday cards and, you know, uh, holiday cards. If families uh, recognize any holidays and birthdays, send those out just to keep them, keep the evaluation in the forefront of people's minds. And that really increases retention with the data collection over time. And in the projects that I evaluate, I'm usually between 85 and about 93% retention rate out to a point of 18 to 24 months. And with that data, you can then give, you know, you're, you're being compliant with your grant requirements, but it's also giving you very nice information about how consumers are progressing through your treatment program.
and coupled with a very good process evaluation, then you can start giving meaning to those numbers. And it really helps the program to identify areas that they could work on improvement. Absolutely. So it would certainly behoove the organization to prioritize the evaluation aspect simply because it provides key data and information that they can use to maximize the effectiveness of their program. But like you said, Rhonda, in addition to that, funding agencies want to make sure that their funding is being used correctly, that the organization is meeting the expectations for the grant. That could mean routine visits, check-ins, or calls by someone from the funding agency, correct? Well, some with some grants, they do make site visits, but with others, they don't. But usually, typically, programs will ha- be having monthly phone calls uh, with their project officers. And in cases where there's a national evaluation that's laid on top of the local evaluation of a project, then there may also be phone calls with those national evaluators. But through the, through the SAMHSA and the, the, their databases that they use, uh, program officers can very quickly go in and pull reports to see exactly, you know, what level of compliance folks are at with enrolling, you know, are they enrolling as many as they said they would, and then what the retention rate is on the reassessments. Uh, and, and so, you know, just SAMHSA will pull a grant from a, a grantee for the lack of data even if the program is doing great things and implementing wonderful things, if the data isn't there to support it, you risk the, you know, the possibility of losing the grant just as much as if you weren't implementing the program at all. And to all the funding agencies out there, it's really key to see the big picture here. Ultimately, what is the point of all of this? Well, who's the funding meant for? There's an underserved community in mind for each grant. Helping them, that is the ultimate goal. So some missteps in program evaluation when under surveillance by the program officer could result in losing these programs and care services that so many individuals could be benefiting from. Right. And and sometimes folks approach this evaluation process as seeing it as we have to fill out the assessments that SAMHSA wants us to complete. And that, and so you sent, so they don't see the benefit of that data within their own program. They only see the data going out. And unless they have an evaluator or someone on staff in their organization that knows how to pull that data down and analyze it specifically for them and for their reasons, then they're really missing the benefit of collecting all of that data to begin with. And if you aren't using it, then of course it's going to be you know, it's not going to be anyone's favorite thing to do because you don't see the meaning of why you're doing it. So folks really don't see the, the, the usefulness of the data that they can bring down and use at their site level and look at health disparities within their own program. Look at changes in overall functioning within their own program and cut it in different ways that meets the needs of the, their, what they're doing to reduce health disparities in their organization, uh, the sorts of services and the types of services that their consumers are most likely to receive. Uh, and so even just with that national, nationally collected data, that can be used a lot to inform the project and guide them with implementation as they're moving forward. 
You know, I've been, I've been involved in some of these evaluations where, you know, you see over time as you're looking at the data that actually the, the, the types of consumers that they are enrolling are different than what they had originally intended. And sometimes they're, it, you, you tend to see a switch, particularly in the um, integrated primary care arenas, you see a switch to where once the word gets out, you start having more you know, seriously ill people coming into the program, which has all kinds of ramifications in terms of cost and programming. So you know, it, it's important to keep looking at that data on a continuous basis and not just a couple of times a year and then getting an evaluation report and sticking it in the drawer. <laughs> right. And we had discussed this in our podcast on SAMHSA grants, how data collection plays a significant role in not only the grant, but for the effectiveness and long-term sustainability of a provider agency. Rhonda, can you draw the line between evaluation and continuous quality improvement? Within the confines of a grant, correct me if I'm wrong here, evaluation is speaking more to the data gathered throughout that period, while quality improvement refers to the use of that data to improve an agency's policies, programs, and outcomes beyond the grant's intent. Is that accurate, or am I missing something here? Okay, so it's a great question. Um, the, the evaluation collects the data and in some cases, you know, well, and, and usually analyzes the data. And then depending upon how a program is laid out, the evaluator may attach some meaning to that data analysis and show where the program is not meeting its benchmarks. And then that information would then go to some sort of quality improvement process within the organization, whereby they can take the data then figure out an action plan that would, you know, try to get it uh, to to reach the benchmark or try to get it to a higher level. And then, as data is continuously gathered and the analyses continue over time, they can quickly see whether or not their action plan had an impact on the outcomes as they wanted it to. So it's really it's really you know a two part process. In some organizations. All of it falls under continuous quality improvement because the data, if you don't have a, a designated or an identified evaluation unit, then a lot of that gets picked up through CQI. But the important thing is that CQI in many organizations over the years has, come, has become more of compliance monitoring rather than performance improvement. So if you're always making your, you know, your benchmarks and you're maintaining a threshold over time, then organizations tend not to go out and look for other areas that they could be improving upon. Whenever you have a new program that you're implementing through a grant or something, you've got that funded through the grant itself expertise of an evaluation to come in and collect other data that you aren't already collecting that may assist you not only in that program, but in your larger organization. Got it. So quality improvement is speaking to the big picture of the agency's long-term sustainability and growth. Mm-hmm. Now, to the listeners, something we at SAE try to hammer home is that it's not just about meeting the requirements of a certain grant. Don't get me wrong, as we mentioned on this podcast, organizations need to meet those expectations to continue receiving funding for their program. 
But how can an organization use the evaluation beyond what's required for the grant? I'm so happy you asked that question. People tend to look at grants, at federal grants, as reading the evaluation section and see what the data is that they're required to collect. And that is, and, and that's usually stipulated in every RFP that SAMHSA puts out and the actual data collection instruments that they'll be using. And so that is the nuts and bolts of, of the national part of the evaluation. Uh, and, and if your listeners would, would like to learn more about just the nuts and bolts of implementing that, that section of it, uh, SAE Cares has a great podcast on, you know, I think it's entitled, Now, you have a, now I Have a SAMHSA Grant, What Do I Do Next? Uh, and, and it's from the evaluation perspective about how to start implementing the evaluation, the required pieces. Yes, and to the listeners, what she's referring to is our webinar presentation on implementing effective SAMHSA program evaluations, which is available on the publications and webinars page of our website. Yes, so and and so that'll kind of take you step by step through how to implement that nuts and bolts pieces of it. But the local evaluation that that is funded through these SAMHSA grants is where programs can really benefit. Right now, we have so much disruption happening in our industry, whether it's from technology with EHRs being implemented or, uh, you know, uh, mobile apps for mental health and, you know, podcast blogs, all of that stuff, social media. Coupled with the need to have integrated care, particularly through, you know, primary health care, although now I'm seeing more integration between behavioral health and child welfare and education systems and things like that, that are requiring different business models and different uh, service delivery processes for our providers today. And the local evaluation part of these grants can be used by providers to begin developing their infrastructure for the, the corner that they need to turn for their own, you know, thriving going forward. Um, so you can, you know, use a local evaluation if you want to start uh, developing value, what the value is of the care that you deliver. You know, you can start looking at unit uh, rates and all of the benefits, you know, are, is your services bringing down blood pressure, right? Are mental health services keeping folks out of the emergency room for other physical health reasons? Those all have costs associated to them. Uh, so you can use these grants to start building out the data that your organization requires in your strategic planning for the future. So if you want to start developing a product line in the area of integrated care with primary health, then these local evaluations can start helping you to collect the data to establish, one, the need, and two, your effectiveness of delivering that service. If you, you, know, if you want to be able to uh, begin contributing to health information exchanges or to population health because you need to be able to uh, demonstrate more of an impact of your services on the community that you're living, then the value, the local evaluation can assist CEOs and boards in laying the infrastructure for that. 
and you can use evaluation resources to receive technical assistance like in population health or in EHRs or in coming up with unit cost rates and establishing value-based care rates. And I know that SAE has a lot of, of uh, uh, expertise in those areas. And those are the areas that providers can really use these, these grant, the local grant evaluation funding for. Um, and because we all know how tight these budgets are in provider organizations. So here is some money that if you take the infrastructure money that is usually offered in grants, you can really use it to help build your infrastructure toward the future and future planning. Right, right. And I think that's actually a great point to end on. Seeing the value in evaluation, not only during a grant's given project period, but also for an organization's ability to thrive long term. To the listeners, I hope you were able to take away some key recommendations and things to consider when it comes to program evaluation. So thanks again for calling in, Rhonda. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Thomas. That wraps up today's SAE Cares podcast. Again, this is Thomas Cruz, and if you have any questions for me or Rhonda, feel free to shoot me an email at tcruz at saeassociates.com. That's T-C-R-U-Z at saeassociates.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at SAE underscore associates for updates in the behavioral health field. Take care.